The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. there everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of we got next here on the mma fighting podcasting network you can listen wherever you find your favorite podcast just make sure you like subscribe leave a nice five-star rating some kind words if you like wherever you listen apple podcast spotify stitcher wherever it may be we appreciate that that very much i am mike Cack, and man we have quite a show for all of you this week as We shine the light on the next wave of talent in our great sport of mixed martial arts, the up-and-comers, and in some cases, those individuals turning the page to a new chapter in their careers. And we have three great guests this week, some incredible honesty, some incredible stories, and I will say, this is one that you'll definitely want to listen to from start to finish. Of course... There's a lot going on. It's a big week in the sport of mixed martial arts. We got UFC 267 coming up on Saturday in Abu Dhabi. We got two big title fights. We got Jan Blachowicz defending his light heavyweight title against Glover Teixeira. That is on ESPN+. That is a free event. Not free-free, but if you have a subscription, you don't have to buy it on pay-per-view, at least in the United States, other parts of the world. Not so lucky. Of course, the main event, fascinating one. Co-main event is a good one, too, for the interim bantamweight title between Piotr Jan and Corey Sanhagen. What a tremendous fight that's going to be. Jose Young's already out in Abu Dhabi grinding away. He's been there, different part of the world, completely different sleep schedule. He's a, he's a madman. He's a wild man, that Jose Young. So make sure you follow all of his tremendous coverage 
out there in Abu Dhabi. We got BTL coming up on Thursday. It's going to be a little bit of a different show. Jed Bashu and I are just going to hit record, talk about the big news in the sport, but also before Jed will come on, I am going to draft out the random brackets for the big BTL championship tournament on the show, which starts next Thursday. And for those saying, get back to YouTube, get back to video, stay tuned for that. But as far as this show goes, let us run down the lineup because it is a fun one. Wrapping us up, we're going to talk to David Onama, who made his UFC debut this past Saturday. Incredible fight with Mason Jones. He was on the wrong side of a unanimous decision, but... He gained a lot of fans after taking this fight on four days' notice. He brought it. A tremendous fight. So we'll check in with him at the end of the program. We're also going to talk to Temba Gorimbo. He is fighting on Friday on UFC Fight Pass. They have a new two-year deal with UAE Warriors. Temba's going to be fighting Henderson Fajera at UAE Warriors 24. Promotions doing events on Thursday and Friday, back-to-back days. This will be on the Friday card. No official word yet, but it appears that perhaps Dana White will be in attendance for this card, which is great for him, something he's wanted for a while. He was supposed to fight on the Contender Series in April of last year, memory serves me correctly, and he had visa issues. Of course, we had a pandemic going on. There's a lot going on with this this individual. And that's just like a piece of the puzzle. This guy's story is truly unbelievable. Just a little Cliff Notes version. I'm going to let him explain it later on. Both his parents died when he was young. He was an orphan at 13. At the age of 16, he became a blood diamond smuggler in Zimbabwe. So if you've seen the movie Blood Diamond, you kind of understand what this gentleman did to make money. Like literally a blood diamond smuggler. Just a wild journey this guy has taken. He's been in jail, he's been deported, he's escaped Zimbabwe, he found MMA, and just an incredible story. And I will say just because I'm an audio nerd. He's in Abu Dhabi right now. He was in the kitchen, I believe, of his hotel, eating lunch or dinner. So it is a little noisy at times, but I'm telling you, this interview is so fascinating. So we're going to talk to him coming up next. But first, let us welcome in Modestus Bukoskis, who, at least for the time being, his dream of being a UFC fighter has come to an end. Now, all works out the way he wants it to he will get to add another chapter to his ufc story but at least for right now he will have some work to do a lot has happened with this man over the last six seven weeks or so so enough of me talking you're gonna hear me anyways but let's hear from the man himself modestus bokoskis Let us say hello to Modestus Bukoskis. As you know, he has been in the news quite a bit over the last month and a half or so. He's been dealing with a lot recently. So let's get an update from, honestly, one of the nicest guys that this sport has to offer. We've done some incredible interviews over the years. So let us welcome back the Baltic Gladiator, fresh with a haircut, the former Cage Warriors, light heavyweight champion of the world, Mr. Modestus Bukoskis. How are you, sir? 
Yeah, doing fine. Thank you very much. And thank you once again for uh, for speaking to me and having me on, man. I, I really appreciate it. It's always nice talking to you. Absolutely. It's good to have you here. I wish we were talking about happier things, but I'm sure this will all be a part of the, the longer story of Modestus Bacoscus, the, the epic comeback you are planning. But first things first, the most important thing outside of the haircut, how's the leg? We, we all saw what happened in the fight with Khalil Roundtree, the oblique kick. It was tough to watch and it, it stemmed a lot of debate about the technique, which we'll get into in a minute. But how is the leg and, and the recovery overall at this point? Uh, recovery's going to plan. Everything's going great. Uh, I've just come off crutches today. So that is a, that is a very positive thing. It's a massive plus. We've been working, you know, my physio is absolutely amazing. Got a shout out Leanne, uh, Antoine. Uh, she's, she's been amazing. She's looked after me since day one. She got me back from, um, you know, from an injury before my world title defense to being able to perform. So she's all, like I said, she's all, and even prior to this fight, she's always been amazing. And even now, like, look, to be off crutches, you know, just under six weeks is amazing. So everything's going in the right direction. I'm just, you know, just doing all my physio, staying motivated. And, uh, and yeah, like hopefully we'll be, we'll be in for a, uh, a very speedy, you know, record holding recovery. <laughs> yeah. As soon as you said her name, I was like, that name sounded very familiar. And we did talk about her helping you get into your, to, to one of your title fights. If, if what was the actual injury? What, what was the actual diagnosis? So I don't want to, I don't really want to talk too much deeply into that. Um, I will, all I will say is that it's not quite as bad as everyone thought. Um, just because do you know what I've actually mentioned things in the past and like I say it's just because me as my character I'm an honest person I'm you know and this and that I like to be quite genuine and let people know but you know when you hear in in, in interviews that oh people have seen that there was a, like a deficiency or heard that there was a deficiency in my finger so I can't I can't take those risks now so until you know everything gets all said and done but anyways the point is, everyone thought, oh, all his ligaments are gone, all this and that. No ligaments were gone. So that was a massive plus in terms of uh, everything. Um, actually, one thing that I've not mentioned, obviously because I don't like, because there's there's no excuses. I went in there, I went and performed and whatnot. But 10 weeks prior to the fight, I actually sustained a knee injury that obviously from the kick got worse or that was the fight ending kick was basically the injury just exacerbating. So, you know, I'd been dealing with something for quite a long time and, you know, it seems like that's, that, that's just been the story of my career. You know what I mean? Like bursitis before my, my UFC debut and then, and then having to deal with the, the, a knee injury coming into this last fight. And then obviously then, you know, then the actual kick happened and then, in a way, it's kind of forced it to sort of get fixed. So, but I'm looking at hopefully about a four to five month recovery. So, I mean, look, I didn't have any ligaments that were gone, but there was quite a lot of damage. Like even my physio said that, you know, when, cause she actually watched the operation herself. So she saw like there was a very intricate uh, operation, but everything went successful. I got the checkup with my doctor today and he says everything is right on track and everything looks stable and good. So when I recover, I'll be back better than I've ever been. So in a, in a weird way, it's it kind of unfortunate still, but in, in terms of like the long-term growth of your career, was this kind of in a, in a strange way, like a blessing in disguise that you could actually take the time and take care of all of this? A hundred percent. 
it was very hard to look at it that way at the beginning. I'm not going to lie to you because obviously you have your dark days and days where it's just filled with demons and everything. But And still to this day, obviously, you know, uh, as much as I have the positive outlook, uh, you know, most of the time and on my Instagram and on my foot on, you know, on YouTube and stuff like that. But behind the scenes, obviously it's uh, a lot of the times it's a completely different story, but obviously, like I said, I just try and stay as, as positive as possible. But uh, saying that, yeah, I, I look at it as a blessing because now I've got my knees sorted. So, I mean, you know, they said everything in there is going to be like almost three times as strong as it was since 2019. I've I've been dealing with an injury that literally got to the, the the worst point. I'd been dealing with it since before that fight uh in Cage Wars, the title defense. It was literally the same injury that had then been causing all the other injuries. So literally I've been dealing with this since 2019 and now it's finally getting fixed. So I mean it's a breath of fresh air, really. The fight itself with Khalil. And it's, it's been, it, he's had like an inter- interesting run in the UFC because sometimes he comes out like an absolute animal, like the Eric Anders fight. We saw how he performed there and we're just like, okay, here he goes. And then he would come back his next performance, not that great. And it was just kind of an up and down run for him, but he sort of showed that, that Thailand version he brings to the table from time to time in the fight with you, aggressive landing, big shots, and you couldn't really get going. You, you mentioned that you were dealing with some issues 10 weeks prior to the fight, but what would you say went wrong in that fight with Khalil? Everything that we had been practicing, you know, you perform how you practice. So, you know, in terms of the shots that I was landing in camp, they just were not having that same effect against Khalil. Um, he came very well prepared to fight me as an opponent. So all credit to him for preparing as best that he could. Do you know what I find is every single opponent prepares their to, to fight at their very best against me. I don't know, you know, why it is, you know, that they bring out their best performances always against me, but I guess it's a good thing because I've got, um, ab, you know, really amazing experience fighting these guys at their very best. You know what I mean? So, um, anyways, we've been w- obviously watching a couple of his previous fights and stuff like that. And, you know, stuff that, like, for example, every time I'd throw something and every time I'd want to get something going, he would always counter it. Like he'd always look to counter straight away, which is something that I wasn't necessarily experiencing as much in camp. So when certain shots were landing, it was like crap. Like I need to, I need to figure out a way to get something going. Otherwise, you know, I'm not going to be able to get anything going in this fight. And obviously a lot of people were saying, oh, one thing may have been, you know, you should, should have went for the takedown, but all right go for a takedown against a guy that's slinging all these big shots, showing that he's going to knee you and showing that he's going to uppercut you to the face. You know, it kind of changes your, your mentality to want to do that. So because, uh, you know, I was getting countered, it, it, it threw me off a little bit because I wasn't getting countered like that uh, in training. So obviously I thought, oh, well, I, I should be okay. Like to, And as well, in his previous fights, he wasn't countering like that. This is another thing. He came you know, even more well-prepared and even better fighter than it was before. So like I said, also credit to him. I did feel that in the second round, I was starting to gather my rhythm. I felt the timing a bit better because I don't know if you've seen some of the, some of the highlights that I posted in slow motion, you know, I I made him miss quite a lot as well, like from getting out of the way of punches and, and stuff like that. It was just finding that rhythm to then finally get that takedown. And then by the time I was getting to that sort of stage and feeling that, you know, cause I wasn't tired at all feeling to where I was finding my rhythm. Obviously he landed that kick with perfect timing, right? As I was jabbing, which is something that obviously he saw, uh, 
going to the end of that that first round. So yeah, it was frustrating when I couldn't get things going, but that's my job as an athlete to adapt in in play. Like when things don't go right, you need to be able to be, especially at that level, to be able to adapt in play. So uh that that was the uh that was the issue really in that fight is you know it, I mean if you look at the comparison with Oleg Shashuk fight, like you know, all the stuff that I was really throwing and landing was working against Oleg Shashuk, and that's where I landed most of my shots. So uh this is definitely a learning curve for the future. So, you know, like I said, everything is a blessing in disguise, really. Do you think and I know you mentioned it the next day you didn't want to take anything away from Khalil and his performance. But do you think the oblique kick has a place in today's MMA? Because, I mean, we've heard both sides. I have myself from some of the legends of the sport. A lot of today's athletes that I've spoken with, they they sort of look at it as don't love the technique, but it's something that we have to adapt to and deal with. And some of the legends, they seem to be right down the middle, like Robbie Lawler, Phil Davis. They're okay with it. Don't really love it, but it's just part of the game. And then guys like Tito Ortiz, who I talked to guys like Vitor Belfort, they think that that move should be just out of the sport altogether, that the fighters need to come together, relook at the rules. The oblique kick has no place in this game. What do you think all these weeks later? Well, I mean, you know, in other promotions, they've got freaking soccer kicks and all sorts. I mean, that's like serious head trauma. Do you know what I mean? Like this is bloody fighting at the end of the day. Like, look, it was my, I, as I said after the fight, and I still say it now, it was my job to defend it. But if you, again, if you watch closely in the fight, I dodged one of his oblique kicks, which was because I wasn't on the front foot. He caught me with perfect timing. So like I said, credit to him. Uh, I should have been more wary of that. It, it's a completely legitimate technique. I mean, and it's mad to think how many oblique kicks were actually thrown after that particular event. I mean, I watched the, the uh, Santos and, and uh, Walker fight and the, the amount of oblique kicks they throw at each other. But this is what I'm saying. The timing is another big aspect of it. Again, like if you're if you're holding your legs strong, it's not going. Yeah, it will affect you. Obviously, if you're, you're you're trying to throw it full power, but again, it's depending on like weight management and stuff like that. There's so many dangerous techniques in the sport of MMA. This is no more or less dangerous than any other technique. So you know, in in my eyes, it's legitimate. So, you know, in this day and age, you, you just got to be able to defend it. I mean, look at John Jones. He's been using it for so many, you know, for so many years. It's been effective and, you know, no one's really said anything about that either. I mean, yeah, obviously they've mentioned it here and there, but, you know, it's like I say, it's a technique. It's a technique that that's that works. Everyone also talks about, oh, it's a career-ending injury. Oh, serious ligament damage, this and that. Yeah, it, it looks horrible, but I'm going to be okay. This is the thing. It's like, I'm going to come back. And I'm going to go on a tear and I know I will. So it's like everyone keeps talking about how it's a career ending injury, but look, I'm already off crutches in, you know, just under six weeks. So trust me when I say I'll be back and I'll be back better. You've got, you know, we've got good surgeons. UFC is amazing at taking care of their athletes. So, you know, they've helped me out a, a great amount. So yeah, it's a legitimate technique. I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Well said. Um, so, so let's discuss what this has led to. Unfortunately, it has led to your release from the UFC and you and I have had these conversations for years and getting signed was something you wanted so badly. You got there. Finally, you won your first fight. Then the three straight losses, you got finished twice. You lost that really close split decision, which was still highly debated to this, to this point, but 
you knew you were fighting for your job against Cleo Roundtree. Every interview you did, you said, I'm fighting for my job. But when the official word came that you were no longer on the roster, how did you react to that? Well, obviously, the the immediate feelings is uh, extremely, you know, being extremely upset and disappointed with myself. And like, you almost feel like, like I say, you feel just numb, like, because you're like, I've just had so much shit happen to me recently in a load of different areas. And you just like, you just sort of just feel numb. You're like, well, you, you, you sort of get to the point where you're like, I don't know. It, it never crossed my mind that I would ever stop doing MMA or anything like that. But you, you know, you have some very dark thoughts. You go into some, some seriously dark places. I mean, the amount of effort and time and, and it's just, it was weird because I was literally making all my dreams come true. And then all of a, all of a sudden, all of my dreams are shattered. So it's like, it went from one extreme to the complete other extreme. But, um, so yeah, at the, at the time, you know, when I told my dad and everything and, you know, when, when we finally got, got the news, um, obviously it was just, you know, very upset, like, you know, almost like thinking like, wow, well, why is this, why is this happening to us? And, you know, in certain cases, you know, there may have been, you know, an argument like, why shouldn't I have got, uh, you know, re-signed at least to have at least one more chance. But the point is, I think personally that they probably saw something in me. They, you know, they saw this kid's got a lot of potential. He could be good and blah, blah, blah. And unfortunately, I just didn't show up. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, all that matters in this world is results. If you don't get the result, it doesn't matter how close it is or whatever, because yeah, I definitely thought I won that fight against, uh, against Oleg Chase, as, as do many others, but what does the result stand? It stands as a, as a loss. So, you know, three losses in the row at, at any point in the UFC is, uh, is never a good thing. So, you know, the way I see it is like, I fought these guys at their very best. I took Jimmy Crute when no one wanted to fight him. You know, I took Khalil Roundtree, who's very dangerous and very motivated. Oleg Shayshuk, another very dangerous fighter and, and stuff. I, I didn't take any... There's no gimme fights in the UFC. Like, we're all, they're all amazing athletes. But obviously, people may have thought, oh, well, you could have potentially took a different route or maybe went, worked your way up a little bit. And it's just like, yeah, may, maybe so. But, you know... <laughs> At the end of the day, I'll, I'll go out and prove myself. The, the thing that disappointed me the most was that I know deep down, and I've said it so many times, and, and this is the thing as well. This is another reason why, because I kept on saying, like, you know, I know what I'm capable of. I just need to go out and show it. Like, this is the time I'm going to prove it, and then I never end up doing it. So for me, there was definitely bright sparks that have been shown, but for me, not to be able to show my capabilities when I know I can like I know I can it's just I've got to figure that shit out first like you know that that's what I need to go out and perform my best and maybe again that's a blessing in disguise maybe I need to go outside the UFC find my feet find me being able to do what I said I was going to do to then get back into the UFC so you know as painful as it is as depressing as it is as sad as it makes me feel uh, it just also makes me more motivated because this is going to be one hell of a comeback story. You know what I mean? Like the guy that gets cut, you know, he's literally at his worst point. I remember back when I lost two in a row and, and I've mentioned it before that, that I thought that was my lowest point. This is like an amplification of that. This is like five times as bad, but I've been through that situation before I've come back. I'm, I'm in a similar, similar spot here. 
like I said, just on a, on a bigger stage and, and worse things going on. But I know I'm going to come back. I'm, I'm highly motivated to prove myself. I know what I'm capable of. So I've got to go out and prove it. It's on me right now. It's on me. How, I mean, you mentioned a couple of different things there that I want to touch on. One, one of which is obviously you, you saw a path, you felt like your abilities are there, but for some reason it just, just didn't come out in, inside the octagon. Like, how would you describe that? Like, sure. You, you want to go, you would love to go out there and win all these fights and this, there's no excuses to be made here. I'm not asking you to do that, but like, what was this run like? Like what went wrong overall in your mind? Like was, did it just feel different being in the UFC cage? Like you wanted it for so long that, you know, once you got in there, maybe just, it just felt different. Like, how would you describe it? Well, this is it. I, I don't think it necessarily felt any different. Like, you know, like I said, I mean, especially after my debut, I was like, oh, this feels like absolutely normal. This feels like I've, you know, like I've done this a load of times. Now we're just on in the UFC and it's, it feels absolutely amazing. But, uh, you know, obviously it was, it was a very high level competition straight away in the second fight. I think perhaps maybe, I, like I said, I could have maybe worked my way up a little bit more and you need to sort of gather your feet. You need to, you need to feel your way in and like, you know, feel your shots landing and stuff like that. These guys that I thought have, have some serious threats in their arsenal that of course, like I, um, I know I can handle these things, but again, under the bright lights, you know, under, under, under big pressure, under, you know, you know, scrutinized by so many people and stuff like that. I, I would never say that really nerves get to me, but you know, maybe looking back on it, maybe it did. Do you know what I mean? Because if I'm saying that now that I needed to sort of get a couple of fights with you, because you see guys, they, they build their confidence over the course of their careers. Would you say I was really able to build my confidence? So I think the confidence was, was, uh, you know, pushed back a little bit after the crew loss and it's like, and then I'm trying to find my feet back in there again to, to regain that confidence. So, uh, I know I'll, I'll, I'll get back in there again. I know, I know I'll be able to show it. It's just, uh, it's more frustrating than anything and disappointing because, you know, when you know what you can do and you don't do it, I think that's the story for a lot of athletes as well. So it's, it's, a, it's the job of me to be able to bring it out. I've got to prove myself, you know, I've proved nothing so far. I need to go out and prove myself and I know I need to. So the timing was a little crazy with all of this, because again, you're a guy that wanted this for years. You felt like you were ready and the call never came. And then it finally came. You got an outright signing. Not many fighters can say that, especially now. And you did everything in your power with the promotion to be a professional, you know, do good for yourself in the organization. You did a lot of media, you promoted your fights and this past week, as we record, we see Paulo Costa come into a main event fight week, clearly no intention of making 185. Then the fight signed for 195. He essentially says, nah, dude, we're doing it at 205. Are you sitting at home watching this thinking, like, seriously, how does this guy get to keep a roster spot when I went in, always made weight, always did my best, I get cut, but he doesn't? Like, what are you thinking watching this all unfold? Well... There's no two ways about it. He was winning fights. So, do you know what I mean? At the end of the day, like I said before, all that matters in this world is results. It doesn't matter how... You could literally... I could go and drink every single night leading up to the fight, but I go out and perform. That's all that matters. So, you know, at the end of the day, Paolo, I do not... I 100% do not agree with how he conducted it. And then blaming everyone else for his his unprofessionalism, I thought that was stupid. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, 
that guy, I don't know, he needs to kick up the ass like to to get his head in gear because he just seems I don't know, there's just seems like something something's not right there for for him to keep making these problems and then like I said, feel like everyone else should be catering to him. It's like, yeah, you're a great fighter, you want a hell of a lot of fights, but that doesn't mean that you get different treatment uh to to everyone else. But like I say, he deserves a spot on the roster. Although being unprofessional, it's not right. It's, you know, it's created drama. It's created unnecessary things like, and, you know, good job on Vittori having a guy that weighs a lot more than him to, to be able to go out and, and and perform. But like I say, he's been winning fights. You know, it's it's hard to, to have a bargaining tool when, you know, when you're not winning fights. So, like I say, as really annoying that situation is, seeing it from, from the outside, um, I can't say anything because, you know, I haven't performed. So when I start performing, then, you know, then I, then, then, then maybe I can, uh, can say something, but, uh, you know, I, I'll go work back up to that. I know you're still recovering four to five months is, is what you're hoping for at this point. You have a bit of a bit of a road ahead of you, maybe middle of 2022, we see you again, but you have to assume that there's been interest here from other promotions in regard to your services. When you heal up, have you, have you, I know it's your management and you're just ready to, to find out what's going on out there in the free agency market at this point, but has there been interest? Is there anything that you're kind of eyeballing right now? Um, not really at the minute because that for, for a long time, there was, there was waiting to see about the phone call about whether I'm going to get another chance or not. Um, obviously then that fell through and, but already, from then on, like I had a chat with my manager and we, for me, it's UFC or nothing. I've said this before. Um, I will only do whatever it takes to get back to the UFC again. So whatever route that may be, whatever promotion that is, I know my man Jason's going to find the, the, the best suit for me to, to be able to get back to the UFC. That, that is the goal now. Like, you know, the goal is to get re-signed by the UFC. So I mean, yeah, people have said, oh, well, why don't you go to Bellator? Why don't you go to PFL and and, and this and this kind of thing? It's like, yeah, I mean, obviously the, those promotions are great and they've got some amazing athletes. But, you know, if you really want to be classed as one of the best fighters in the world, most people usually refer to the UFC fighters as being those, those type of fighters. And for me as a competitor, I want to be, I've said this to you on countless occasions, I want to be known as one of the best fighters in the world. So, where else am I going to do that other than the UFC? It's been my dream since a kid to, uh, well, since I was a lot younger to uh, to be able to fight, compete, and be a champion in the UFC. That is still the dream. That is still the goal. So, <laughs> obviously, the the destination remains the same, but the the road towards it has just changed slightly. So, um, there's been no interest, as I'm aware. Um, to, to to fight in any other promotion. Like I said, there's been people saying, oh, you should fight here, you should fight there. But realistically, I just got to get back in back into uh back into the UFC. So whatever promotion is, it could be, I don't know, it could be LFA, it could be, you know, it could be Cage Warriors, it could be, it could be any one of these big, big time promotions that usually feed you into the UFC. So that that's where I'm gonna go. So for me, uh legacy is a big thing as well. I mean, money. Money's a big thing as well. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. Obviously, it's very tough and difficult, but UFC is where I want to be, man. Fair enough. I mean, Bellator has a little bit of an argument now, do they not? Like, their, their division's pretty tight right now. They got 
Vadim Nemkov is really good. Corey Anderson's on a roll right now. They got guys like Bader. They got guys like Rumble. I know he's banged up right now and he's dealing with some health issues. Yo, Romero, 205. Like they got a pretty solid roster right now, but that doesn't interest you at all. No, nah, man. Like, like I said, it's, uh, it's UFC or nothing, man. For me, that's where I want to go. That's where I want to get back to. Because also, I've done a disservice not only to myself, but to everyone else that, you know, big time hype coming out of cage warriors and you know he just wasn't he he didn't live up to expectations i don't want to be that guy that, but it's like i don't know it's a bit like you're cutting yourself short like i got into the ufc i'm oh okay well i can't compete at that level so i'm i'm gonna not like like i say it's not to say that the other promotions have they've got extremely high level fights also but nah I need to go and prove myself. I need to get back there. I need to. I need to prove what I'm really capable of. I can't. I can't do that in my head, anyways. Even if if I, if I would go to uh, to another promotion, I would never be able to. I don't think I'll be able to live myself if I didn't go and make that dream of being UFC champion a reality. So I'm going to do whatever it, whatever it takes to do that. So you feel like you've just left too much on the table. We got to get back there. Yes, sir. So how did everybody leave it as far as the UFC goes? Was it left as, hey, kid, we like you. Just go back out there, win some fights. We'll bring you back. Like, did it get to that point? Or is this just what you think you need to do? I mean, from what it seems like, it, it seems like that's the case. It, I mean, like, like I said, if, if my manager is saying that, you know, th though this is what you need to do to get back, then clearly, you know, I... I I have still some uh, some leeway to be able to to uh, to get back. I I just need to show my skill set. Okay, show your skill set. Show show what you've been talking about. Cool, we'll take you back. It's sort of it's sort of like that. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, it you know, and I think in this in this game and everything, like even just me as a person and throughout all my experiences in life, like you know, you, you just got always. I'm always brutally honest with people. Like I don't expect them to be brutally honest with me and if anyone's going to be brutally honest with me, aside from my dad, it's going to have to be my manager because he's, you know, taking care of my whole career. So if he generally thought they don't actually like you, they don't think you're that, then he would tell me straight up, like you have no chance of getting back there or it's a bit too late and you need to do this instead or whatever. I'm 27. I'm extremely young. I'm going to be recovered and fighting by 28. I mean, Nganu didn't get to the UFC till he was uh, 29. He had his debut when he was 29. So it's like, okay, I get back. I could potentially be back there when I'm 29. So, you know, um, I think it's good that I've got I've got my manage my management because they're, they're always looking out for me. But like I say, from the from the from the words that I've been having with uh, with him, it seems as though that that is the that is what the UFC brass is also thinking. I'll get a couple of wins and I'll come back. Yeah. I mean, look at a, a guy that Jason house knows very well. Look at Julian Arosa. He was, he'd lost three fights in a row. He was out of the UFC. He had one fight on the regional scene. They brought him back and he's one of the feel good stories in the sport right now. So seeing that that's going to make you feel good that the door isn't shut. Right. A hundred percent. I mean, look at Brandon Marino. That, that's Marino yes. I mean, you know, that, that's, that's a guy I really look up to because you know, he got caught won the LFA belt, came back and then went on a tear and now he's the world champion. Like, if that's any story that would motivate you to, to go out back there and, and show what you got, like, that, that is that story. And not only that, that's the exact same road that I want to go on. I want to get cut, come back, 
and win the title. Obviously, I, I didn't want this whole situation to happen, but listen, you got you got to take everything day by day, take it head on, um, and 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 that's it. I think one main factor for me that that is really helping is is seeing that my knee is is healing so well, and that again. I've got to give a massive thank you to everyone at the UFC for helping me get the best doctors, the best procedures and everything um, to help sort this problem out. So, yeah, it's it's sad having to leave the promotion, but look, they take care of the athletes. There's a lot of this talk about, oh, do they care, take care of the athletes? Do they do this? Do they do that? A hundred percent. If anyone's going to be an advocate for them taking care of the athletes, it would be me because I've witnessed it firsthand. I've said it on plenty of occasions. They've, always done an amazing job to to make sure that the athletes can compete at the highest level and as well like you know i, I was seeing tatiana suarez doing all her her rehabilitation and stuff like that from her injury and look at her she's jumping on doing box jumps at 10 weeks post-surgery so you know they they help us out i've got the best surgeons in 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 the uk to help me so yeah things are looking bright man you ever spend time with brandon moreno and just like pick his brain. I mean, what a delightful individual to, to speak. Oh, with. Have you had the chance? But you know what is it? It's a bit hard when you're an Englishman. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone's out <laughs> in America, you know, like they're all across the seas. It's like, and it's like, you know, him right now, I mean, look at him, he's got a million followers. It's like, is he really going to respond to oh, little old me, you know, 12,000 followers and stuff like that. I, I know I would, I mean, I would love to speak with him and stuff like that. And uh, like I say, look, when, when I, when, it, you know, when I go through this journey and stuff like that, I get my name back. I get back into the UFC. I'll, I'll be able to have those conversations and, and stuff like that. But uh, like I say, from camera, it appears to me that obviously he's an absolute amazing fella. So, uh, yeah. So what's the message for everybody now, Modestus? For the ones who continue to support you in this journey, for the ones who may not be a believer at this time, for the ones who are rooting for you, rooting against you, et cetera, what do you want to say to everybody? Um, well. Firstly, I want to say how like a massive thank you and like it really like it really like uh, kind of hits hits deep and hits my heart when you know when people are supporting me so much like you'd expect a load of hate ma- mail and a load of hate messages to come after someone being cut oh he's shit or you know he's he's not that good and oh it was a good thing that he got cut but there's a lot of people who are actually fighting my corner like there was a lot of people that were actually like oh now like you know i can't believe he's gone i always love seeing him fight like seeing those things is like massive so i've got to say everyone who's supporting me and everyone who's 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 you know got behind me and you know really wanted me to succeed i just want to say thank you so much like especially when you know like things have been even tough they've always messaged me and said like you can do this like you guys are the ones that are motivating me even more to go back and like prove everyone wrong and like you know and to come back and like and and really prove myself uh, as an athlete. I've got a lot of uh, I've got a lot of responsibility because all these people do believe in me, and uh, I want to show them that I'm I'm going to be able to compete at that level that I say I'm going to do. So um, yeah, massive thank you and a lot of love to everyone who's 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 been behind me. But um, there's a, there's a saying actually in Lithuanian. Uh, it's um, uh, and uh, what that means is basically um, whatever happens, the Lithuania never dies. So you can be rest assured that you're going to see me back in the UFC. That is the last message that I'll send to everyone.
I got goosebumps right now after that, Modestus. <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to say I'm sorry for what's been happening because you don't want that for me, but I think we can both agree that this will be a pivotal part of your story moving forward, I believe. Everything that has happened over the last couple of years, the injuries, the, the split decision, the way the Khalil Roundtree fight ended, all of that is going to lead to great things on the other end. So I wish you the best in recovery. seems like everything is going even faster than anticipated. All the best to you in your return to action. Can't wait to see it. And uh, all the best to you on this road back to the UFC. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the candor. It means a lot as always. And we'll do this again soon. Well, like I said, one of the, one of the best in the business, one of the nicest guys that I've had the pleasure to, to be across the camera from Modestus. Mate, I really appreciate you, brother. Like I say, and, and, and it's really nice to see that you're doing so well, obviously in, in the reporting field and, and, you know, getting all those opportunities for yourself. So mate, I support you obviously as much as you support me and, uh, much love to you and thank you so much again for for speaking to me it's, you know as a pleasure it is for you speaking to me it's an absolute pleasure talking to you we always get along man so I, I appreciate you brother the NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA DraftKings brings you same game parlays live betting odds boosts and so much more don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down and new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let us say hello to one of the bright prospects in our sport right now. He's the current EFC welterweight champion. He returns to action for the first time in over 18 months this Friday at UAE Warriors 24 in Abu Dhabi. This card is ridiculous. 
and it's going to air on UFC Fight Pass as well. And it just so happens that a certain organization will be hosting an event also this weekend in Abu Dhabi. So opportunity knocks for Temba Garimbo, who joins us just two days before his big fight, which I greatly appreciate. Temba, how are you, sir? I'm good, Mike. How are you doing, man? And I uh, really appreciate you for all the introduction, man. It's amazing. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so first things first, because I'm seeing conflicting reports. Who are you actually fighting on Friday? Because I saw Kermaga Madoff. I've seen Henderson Ferreira. Who are you fighting on Friday? I'm fighting Henderson Ferreira. Okay. Were you supposed to fight Kermaga Madoff? Uh, sorry, the lady, the guy from the hotel was trying to move me to another place. I'm sorry. Um, I was supposed to fight Ramzan initially. Um, then he pulled out. So now I'm fighting Anderson Ferreira. Oh, great. Do you need, do you need to move or? Ah, uh, no, no, no. He said it's okay. I can stay here. All right, great. Okay. So this is the first fight that you've had in quite a while. And I know you've been a guy that's been knocking on the door of the UFC. You've been on their radar. I believe you were scheduled to fight on the contender series, but that didn't happen. I think it was a visa issue. It's been a crazy year for sure, but you're back on Friday. It's your first fight since March of 2020. I mean, how excited are you to just get back in there and do what you love to do? Yeah, man, you know, like, um, it's a crazy scenario. You know, I've been knocking on the UFC door for, for quite some time. I became a champion in 2019, and I thought that I want to be, you know, the real original guy that becomes the champion that lives and trains in Africa. Uh, but I didn't get the opportunity. I defended my title in March. Then the corona thing happened, and it has just been a crazy, crazy, crazy journey. You know, like almost when I'm getting there, then this thing happened. Almost when I'm getting there. This thing happened then. I supposed to be on the contender series. Um, then uh, my visa, they had visa issues. The UFC message me and say to me, you know what, we are not going to be putting more guys from international on the contender series. Um, and it's just like heartbreaking, you know. But after after the UFC told me that they, they are not going to, to put me on the show, I realized they were coming to Abu Dhabi and that. For me as a Zimbabwean, I don't have visa issues to come to Abu Dhabi. So I bought, I literally bought my own ticket to come here. Um, then I got my own visa to come here. Then I put it on the social media. I send it to, to my management, Sean Shabi, and tell them that if anyone pulls out on the USC 257 card, um, I'm here and I'm available, you know. I was even trying to go to lightweight, but it is a hard thing. So I ended up saying to them, if anyone middleweight or waterweight pulls out, I'm really available to 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 go. I'll, I'll be in Abu Dhabi on weight for 77. That's 170 pounds. Um, and knowing that there was only one fight on the one, on the 267 card, it was like a, you know there will be many guys trying to wait for that opportunity. But you know, I had put myself available because. I bought the ticket. I tried so hard. I was supposed to be on the contender seat. So um, um, as I did that, I put on the social media that I'm doing this X, Y, Z. Then people jumped on it, tried to push me for the UFC to get to notice me and uh, try to put me on the card. And then so it just happened that the UAE always offered me an opportunity and here we are. There we are. Look at that. You're eating a nice, delicious meal before you have to cut the, the rest of the weight. So... Your story, man, is 
crazy because in terms of the road to getting to where you're at to this fight, wanting to get to bigger things, I, I, I've been reading all about you and just learning about you. You became an orphan at, at 13. You lost both your parents at a very young age. And most kids out there would not be able to get to get past that. And like you said, here we are now. What was that like for you? Like, I know it was a long time ago, but, you know, losing both your parents, you have to grieve, but you also have to, you know, kind of put your big boy pants on because you're, you're doing your thing now. Like you have to move forward. So, so how did you, how did that sort of shape and mold the person and the fighter you are today? You know, you have to, I, I had to put the big, the, the big boy pants very young age because I'm the first born in my family. It's just me and my younger brother. He also fights. Um, so basically, you know, you have to grow up so early that you have to to go out there and chase things in life and try to improve and uh, better your life. So it was very tough for me to lose my mother at nine, my, my father at 13. You know, life has never been easy for me. I think my whole life has never been easy. Um, and nothing has been handed to me, you know. I believe that I've worked for everything that I have right now in my life and whatever that I'll have in the future. I believe that I've paid the dues. I've paid everything that, that, um, that will come and that I have acquired so far. You know, so it's been a hard journey. I grew up in Zimbabwe, it's a rural area where I grew up in Mashingo there. It's a small town. Um, it's, at the age of 13, after I lost my father, then I continued with school, you know, but things were not as normal anymore. You know, when you lose your parents, I don't know if you have your parents, but if you have your place, my brother, you gotta, you gotta appreciate the mission every day. You know, I grew up with my parents and, you know, it was tough. At the age of 16, when I finished my O level, um, when I was doing my advanced level, then I had to drop out of school. You know, I had to go to the diamond fields, um, the blood diamonds in Zimbabwe, to try and make a living. There, you know, trying to trying to make money so that I can uh, I can survive, I can live, and I can live a better life. So that was me at 16, digging diamonds, trying to make money. Um, almost got killed there. If you see my whole body is full of scars. This was the, a dog bite. I was bitten by a German shepherd. Um, I almost lost my manhood on the, on the diamond fruits. I had five German shepherds biting me at the same time, you know, police dogs, because I was caught uh, illegally uh, digging and smuggling diamonds, you know. But it was a way of living that time in 2008, and um, it was just it was just life, you know. I had to do what I had to do to survive. Funny enough, they I almost got killed. Uh, I think it was on a Tuesday. The following Sunday, I was back again, digging the same dams in the same dangerous field, you know. So I've never given up in my whole life. Then eventually, they we were chased completely. The military came in and they were shooting to kill, you know. Uh, then you kind of like, you know what, I have to give up on this, I have to go, you know, otherwise it's my life or, or nothing. Then I I decided to come to South Africa as an illegal immigrant here at the age of 17, you know, just when I was turning 18. Then got deported and came back on the same day that I got deported to South Africa, became a gardener security guard, paying the union what I did it, um, just to get by and discovered MMA through a movie, Never Bet Down, and I never bet down from ever since, you know. Oh my gosh, man. So like, I know 
you were in a spot where you needed to make money, but I mean, I, I don't know like what it was like over there. Were there, I mean, were there other options or was this like the best option? Like how does one get into that line of work? Like, is there even a job interview or anything? You just show up and say, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Um, on which side? On the diamond side? On the diamond, on the diamond side. No, 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 no. It's about bravery. It's about who you are. If you are brave, you go there. You know, like I, I was 16 and I was almost like never scared. Only on the first day I was scared, you know, because they, they shoot live bullets there. Live bullets at the, at the civilians. They were, they were shooting live bullets. So I was like, you know, I'm it's kind of like first day you're scared. But after that, when the police is shooting live bullets, I'll be like, increase the volume, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, there was no option. And um, and that was the only way most Zimbabweans were making money in 2008, 2007, you know, like the, the diamonds, it was plenty, plenty of diamonds. You could just get, get them on the surface. I was lucky enough, but sometimes even when the police were chasing me, I'll pick up diamonds on the surface and put in my mouth and run with it, you know. So I, I've been blessed in that way ever since, you know. I, I, like I said to you, everything that I, I will get in my life, I have already paid with booster. When you made the decision to get out of that business and go to South Africa, like, was it difficult? Like, did, did, was it something you had a plan way out in advance? Did you have to do some like crazy military stuff to like sneak out of there? Like, what was that like? No, so basically, when um, when I I when the military came to the diamonds and started shooting really live bullets, but yeah, I just said to myself, you know what? I still have some money from the last uh, thing that we did with the diamonds. I'm gonna leave. Then my cousin said to me, "You need to go back to school." Then I said to him, "Fuck!" I said to him, "No, I don't want. To. I made money more than the teachers." Before you know, at a young age, I was making my biggest diamond that I got. I got seven thousand US dollars for that for the top color diamond, seven thousand US dollars, twenty one thousand rand, and like five hundred billion. What do you call it? Those days, Zimbabwe's inflation is bad. You know, those days, so money was in Biera checks for the uh, billion, five hundred billion or more, or more on of that. So it was a lot of money that I and at a very young age, and then my cousin told me that I must go back to school. It was almost like impossible. You know, I, I knew how to make money, and to go back to school was kind of like wasting his money and my time too. So I decided, you know what, when you go back to South Africa, I'll go with you. So I literally illegally came to South Africa for the first time in uh, 2009, yeah. And then you said you got deported back to Zimbabwe? Yeah, so basically you cross the border illegally. You don't go through the, the border, you go through the river. It's crazy stuff, man. If you look it up, how Zimbabwe cross into South Africa, there's crocodiles there, the aggressive river, there's hippotamus, hippopotamus, and um, it's and you you're walking in a in from Zimbabwe side, you walk through a game reserve into a South African game reserve. So you hear lions, you hear things like that. And I think it was like 300 of us at the same time. Um, um, yeah, like he crossed the border, then we get loaded into a, a taxi. Then uh, halfway through between Johannesburg and the border post, then I got caught. Then I was deported uh, one week later. Uh, and I was just a young boy, you know, like 
this was scary thing with a very young age, you know, like being in jail. Um, that was my first time in jail. Being in jail at 17, you know, like it's like scary. Um, even the people who were in jail with me, they were like, you need to kind of like get uh, lawyers to speak for you. They must take you out, you know. That's how scary it was. You need to take you out. You can't be in a jail for adults, you know. And I was skinny, skinny boy. So then they, they deported me around three o'clock. I was deported on the Zimbabwe side. Seven o'clock the same night, I was back in South Africa. And I made, I made it the second time. I was successful. Uh, then I made it to Cape Town. I, li- I actually lived on the streets in Johannesburg for two weeks. I lived on the streets, handing flyers on the robots, handing 20 rands. I think 20 rand is like 20 rands, like two dollars, two dollars a day, or less, two dollars or less a day, to hand flyers on the robots and making a living because I didn't have any cell phone number for anybody, any of my family members or whatsoever. So I had to st- kind of like find a way to live on the streets, and uh, while it's I, I get to to get a cell phone number and some money to go where I wanted to go. And even if I wanted to go, I didn't have any contacts anymore. My cousins were all in Cape Town, the far, like 500 miles or something like that. You know, your, you know, my, you guys, language or so, or so, like 1,500 kilometers from Johannesburg to Cape Town. So I had to live on the streets in a dangerous, if you know that South Africa is one of the dangerous places in Africa, there's a place called Hillbro. Hillbro is, it's super dangerous. I lived there on the streets, you know, and um, yeah, eventually I managed to to get some money and then I moved on to Cape Town. It was never easy, but I made it to Cape Town to re- reunite with my cousins and my family members. And then it was, yeah, from then I got a gardening job as a landscaping, on a landscaping company. And yeah, I was getting 80 bucks a day. It's like 80 rand a day. It's almost like um, $30 a day. Yeah, $30 a day. Hard labor job. Was happy, you know, excited to make a living, to make life and reunite with my family members. But it's never been an easy journey, you know. Like, but I appreciate everything that has happened in my life. Uh, it has made me to be who I am today. Have you been back to Zimbabwe since? Yeah, yeah. Basically, I had I had to go back to Zimbabwe when I came from when I was an amateur fighter. I didn't care about the visas and passports, so I made it through the amateur circuit without having to have passport, visa, because I didn't travel. I was just staying in Cape Town and and doing everything in Cape Town. Then on the pro circuit, now you have to fly. You know, you have to fly from one city to another, and I don't have papers, so I eventually um, had to get a passport. You know, so I had one guy sponsored me some money, and then. I went back to Zimbabwe and got my first passport in 20, 2014, 20, uh, 20, 2014, yeah. So that's when I first my, I got my first passport. I was so happy, you know, a passport is not easy to get down here. It's not for free like that. A passport is $318. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah, in Zimbabwe, $318. For that trip, I paid like $700 because I had to go back illegally. And... There was some scandal happening because there was a soccer player who was killed, murdered and killed here in South Africa. So basically, when I called back to take my, my to take the passport, it had just happened and anyone that was illegal in the country, they were 
passing you, so you had to drive your way out, you know, um, because I didn't have fingerprints in South Africa. I could have been the guy that murdered the guy, so it was quite hectic. So I had to pay like... I spent seven hundred dollars just to get to my first passport. You know, that's why seven is my lucky number. Yeah, I'm fighting fight number seven. I'm fighting fight number seven. Um, yeah, man, just my my number. I like the number. So how how did you find MMA? Like, how did this happen? I was at the uh, I was in the back of a truck, um, a landscaping truck. Then I saw a poster um, with a thing. With a uh, with a number of an event that was happening in the gym, but that was after watching Never Back Down the movie. You know the movie. Never oh yeah, yeah. Never back down. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so I watched the movie. That movie. Then I was like, I can do that. Then I think a few days later, I saw a poster where I was at the back of a truck, and I took the number, called the guy, and he says to me, "Yeah, come through." And I went through to a jiu-jitsu gym, Gracie, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Kept on, then uh, they say yeah, you're quite good. You're natural. Then I went to an enemy gym that was around the corner too. They say you're quite good. Then three months later, I got my first fight, won it again. Seven seconds knockout. Oh my god, <laughs> that is crazy. So after everything, after everything you had gone through, and, and most fighters will tell you, like their first day in the gym, it's hard, it's ridiculous, it's humbling. It must have, like, this must have been not easy for you, but easier for you than, than most other fighters, right? After every, the journey you've been on, like getting an MA gym and getting taken down and choked a little bit, that, that was probably like a walk in the park for you, was it not? To be honest with you, you know, like, they, my coaches say to me, you are quite good, you are natural, you know? Um, and those days also, like, you know, like, you know, I was just a naughty kid. I wanted to find everybody in the hood, you know, like, that's the other thing. So I was acquiring knowledge quite fast because I wanted to go back to the neighborhood and be some guys that wanted to always bully me and my cousins. You know, we used to stay in one room, six of us, me and my six older cousins. So I never wanted them to bully me and beat me because I was a skinny boy, you know. So I didn't want them to bully me and stuff like that. So I just thought I should learn fast. And they, the coaches liked me and they made me pay half price of um, the gym fee. Because I couldn't afford um, even the clothes for training and stuff like that. It was quite hard for me to get. So, and I ended up just um, getting a fight three months later in one seven seconds knockout. Then that's when they say, oh, you're quite good. Then they say to me, don't pay chamber anymore. Just train. So I was very happy to, and I'm grateful to this day, uh, to my first coach, MMA coach, Anton Teto. She was here today, but he's a family business and he's no longer my coach now. But, you know, I always try to take him and pay back what he did for me. Um, for my title fight, title defense, I invited him and I said to him, come. He was not my coach, but I said to him, come, be in my corner. You always wanted to have a champion for the gym. I'm a champion and just be in my corner. You know? So I'm, I'm grateful for that. You know, I'm always grateful for people that helped me when I had nothing. That is an incredible story. And now look at you, you're in, you're in Abu Dhabi, you get this big fight coming up on Friday. And like we sort of preface at the top, the UFC also hosting an event in Abu Dhabi. Is Dana White going to be at your fight? Like, have you been told that he's going to be there? Yeah, I've been kind of told that um, they're going to be shooting, uh, looking for a fight. But regardless, regardless, I'll tell you this, my brother. I will finish this guy and I will be in the UFC. 
if Dana is there, if Dana is not there, I'm in the UFC after this fight, you know. Um, I've paid my dues. I've done what I had to do, you know. Um, and, you know, I want to inspire my people from Africa that we can live trend in Africa and become world champions. It's all about the mindset. It's all about um, the skill too. But, you know, you don't have to actually travel around the world to 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 get to get the knowledge now. There's internet. Look at me. I don't know where you are. I'm in Abu Dhabi. I'm talking to you right now. We're not in the same place. So knowledge is knowledge. Knowledge is everywhere. You know, if you really want knowledge bad enough, instead of spending time on my Instagram, I spend time watching and learning online and stuff like that. So that's what I always believe. That's what I think. Um, that's why I want to be the first guy that leaves and trends in Africa to become a UFC champion. And I believe it will happen. And that will inspire a lot of people in Africa. They'll be like, wow, if Temba can do it, I definitely can do it. You know, Especially from coming from where I come from, to go all the way and become a UFC champion. It's amazing. Sorry. You know? And I believe I'll do it. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, you're making a believer out of me, that's for sure. And then, I mean, I mean, just look at the surge from, you know, fighters from Africa. We got Kamar Usman, we got Francis Ngannou, we got this big surge of fighters that 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 come from that area. And it's it's like the perfect time, right? It's like the perfect time in the sport for for you to come in and sort of to build upon this and do something that no one else has ever done before, which is amazing. So, do you feel like? You know, you talk about the number seven and it seems like destiny is a part of your life, but I feel like, I feel like there's some weird things going on in the world right now. Like this is all, this is a destiny kind of a thing on Friday. Do you feel that too? Yeah. I, look, I, I feel, I feel that way, you know, like for me, I've always worked hard in my life. I've uh, always believed in law of attraction and attracting things, but being a good person, while you're doing so and work as hard as you can, I believe the universe will give you what you want. And here we are. You know, I was not supposed to be here today having a fight. I was supposed to be here just as a guest on my own expense. But here we are. You know, I attracted this. I'm here now. And I've got a tough fight. To be honest with you, I've got a tough fight, but I didn't want an easy fight. I wanted a tough fight because if I get an easy fight, get a quick win or whatsoever, I believe I'll put him away first within the first two rounds. I believe so. Uh, but if he's naughty and want to be tough, maybe he will go to the third. But I don't believe it will go past the second round. I believe I will finish him with the first two, within the first two rounds. First round, it is it's going to present a challenge, yes. Uh, but he's not going past the second round. I believe that. And I see that in my eyes. And he's a tough guy. He's a tough opponent. We sport all over the world, um, but I'm Mamba, man. I I got that Kobe Bryant uh, mindset, you know. That's why I always say Mamba mentality. Mamba mentality. Kobe inspired me and changed my life to become a, to become a champion. So I think the Mamba mentality, Mamba life, Kobe's legacy lives on, and I'm I think I'm, I want to take it over. I want to take over from where he left. You know, I want to be the greatest. Well said. Uh, last thing, Temba, and I, I, what an incredible story. And I really appreciate you giving me so much time close to the fight and everything going on in, in, in the same room you're in right now. You mentioned how you want to inspire people from your country to, to make them believe that, listen, if I can do it, you can do it, especially with everything you've gone through. Now, everywhere, yeah. Everywhere. 
But what um, I'm saying, like what, wow. what I'm getting at is there, there are kids out there around the world that are dealing with, I don't know if like as extreme as what you've gone through, but similar things that are struggling, that are looking for a path to take. They're looking for answers. What's your message to them, to those kids wondering, like, is it going to get better? Wondering if there's light at the end of the tunnel. What do you want to say to those people? So for me, my, my thing is never let someone tell you that you can't be anything or you can't do nothing. Always work hard. Believe in yourself. That's the most important thing. If you work hard, believe in yourself and have passion for what you do, the sky is the limit. And, you know, like my life has been hard, but I believe there's harder lives out there. There's people that have had harder lives. But we must all know that uh, nothing comes easy in life. You know, they, they must always know that if things are hard, if they believe that they're going to be something in life, they must go go through that so that they can acquire whatever they want to acquire in life. And uh, destiny is there for everybody. But if you believe and work hard, you will be where you want to be. And believe me, I will inspire the world, not just people from Africa, my friends. I'll inspire the whole world that, you know what, with true hard work, self-belief, nothing is impossible in our life. You can be what you want to be. You can be what you set out to be. And my man, it's going to be amazing on Friday. I'm excited. Dana White is going to be there. If it's not there still, um, you know, being on, I was supposed to be on the Contender Series, so that puts me straight into a conversation with Sean Shabby, you know. Um, obviously, I'm going to have a call out after the fight. So, yeah, uh, I believe I'm, I'm born for this. Just a matter of time. Man, Teba, th- thank you so much for your time, you, for your openness to tell your story. Really amazing, inspiring stuff. I'm inspired, Temba. I'm not going to lie. I've, I've talked to a lot of fighters. I, you have inspired me. I might go for a run right now after listening to this story. So <laughs> I, wish you, uh, yeah, man, thank you. <laughs> I wish you all the best you on know, Friday. I'll be watching for sure. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Tune in and see me put this guy away. And I appreciate that he took the fight uh, because... I had quite a two opponent changes. Ramzan, he pulled out. Then uh, Raymond, another guy from Russia, too, pulled out. Then uh, we ended up being here with him. And I appreciate the fact that he took the fight. I respect that. But Saturday, uh, Friday night, I'm winning. All right, let us check in with one of the stars of UFC Vegas 41, despite being on the wrong side of a unanimous decision against Mason Jones. David Onama joins us. What an incredible fight. A gutsy performance on short notice. The first Ugandan fighter in the UFC. And David, I, I know it's not the result you wanted, but outstanding showing in your, in your debut this past Saturday. How are you, sir? Man, I'm doing good. Thank you for having me, uh, Michael. Absolutely. How, how does it all feel a, a few days later? Short notice debut in the UFC against a very tough guy. You had quite the showing. Does it feel good or is it still kind of bittersweet considering the result? Uh, it feels good. I felt like uh, it was an opportunity that, uh, that I had to take, you know, on a, on a short notice. You know, that's the only way I can, you know, get in. So, you know, uh, and I, I just took it, you know, I took it, you know, to show him that I belong, you know, in the UFC and, uh, I kind of felt like I showed them, you know, gave everything that I got, you know. Uh, I just showed the world that I can compete in that uh, in the highest uh, level, you know. So it was – I felt good about it, you know. It's all good. 
Did you feel like a, like a bit of a surge since Saturday of your, you know, just like social media mentions, all that stuff you're following. Do, do you feel like you've gotten a nice little boost since Saturday? Yeah, I did. Uh, got a lot of respect on uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, you know, like all my fans, you know, everybody reaching out to me, you know, saying, you know, congratulations, uh, not the result that you wanted, but you know, you know, you took, you took on a great, uh, Great fighter, kid was tough, and you know, I had a lot of I had a lot of people showed me a lot of love, you know, after the fight. You know, like I say, it wasn't the result uh, that we wanted, but you know, still took it and you know, showed out. You know, made weight, uh, you know, and just fought, man. So it's it's good. I feel good about it. You know. Everybody. So, when did you find out this was a thing? that you had this opportunity to sign with the UFC because you had not, you had fought not long before that, right? Yeah. I fought like two weeks before, uh, before this fight. Uh, I got the call on, on Tuesday because I, I was in Alabama. I got the call on Tuesday. It was like 4 a.m. Uh, my, uh, my coach, James Krause, uh, and my manager, Jason House and uh, Joe Wooster was like uh, calling my phone. You know, I thought I was dreaming. Like, my phone was going off. I'm like, yo, some man, right? I need to wake up and check this. <laughs> <laughs> so I wake up, and I was, it's like eight missed calls. So I'm like, oh, my God, this must be good news. You know what I mean? Because usually they don't call me around that time. So I'm thinking this got to be something good. First thing I did was, you know, no, he, uh, James uh, left a text to say, yo, first thing you do when you wake up, you know, call me. So I'm like, all right, this got to be good news. Uh, I called him. He's like, yo. I think uh, we might get a shot in the UFC, uh, you know, this weekend. You know, I need you to fly to Vegas as soon as possible, you know, for blood work, medicals, and, you know, stuff like that, you know. And I just right on from there, man, booked the – booked that what's it called, Uber? Uh, what's it called? Got to Uber. the airport. Yeah. And straight to Vegas, and from there, man, it's where it all started. So. What time did you end up calling him back? He called me at 4, 4 a.m. I called him right back at like 4, 4 1. Okay. <laughs> he, was, he was already in Vegas, right? So he was probably wide awake. Was yeah. he already in there? Yeah. So he was already there. Yeah. yeah. Call him right back, man. Lost you for a second. It's all good. And you were part of uh, like one of the craziest fight weeks ever because you were getting ready to debut and all this drama is going on with the main event and Paulo Costa and all of that. Yeah. And, yeah. What did you think of all that? Man. I mean, he knew what he had to do, man. Like, come on, you're there. You're the main event. You know, you had to make weight, you know, I don't know, man. Like, you, you know, what's going on. Like show up and make weight, man. You know, it's, it's the main event. So I think yeah. he gave away like 20% of his purse. Right. Yeah. To Victoria, dang. He knew he had one job. You know, he didn't, he didn't do it. It should have been more. I mean, you went up an entire weight class. Should have been more than 20%. But Victoria's a, Victoria's a gamer, man, huh? Yeah, I, I saw him cutting weight because we were both in the same hotel. I saw him uh, cutting weight with his team. I'm like, I knew like I knew who was going to make weight. I saw Paulo, Paulo Costa. I was like, man, this guy not really taking this shit serious. You know, he missed weight. I mean, and then you show up on what four days' notice and make weight like a professional. Yep, I had to. Uh, man, it was it was tough, but you know, I had to get it done. You know, 
how much weight did you have to cut to get to 155 or 156 or whatever the mark was? I mean, I was already at 160, about 160, 165. Uh, only cut like five. All right, so that's such a big. So it's probably yeah, a good thing it was at 55 and not 45. Right, right. <laughs> did you did, did you enjoy like the whole fight week experience the the ufc machine like being smack dab in the middle of it did you enjoy it being pulled in all these different directions oh man i enjoyed it a lot you know like i said man i belong there you know uh it was it was fun i had a uh, i had fun i had fun in vegas uh you know just experience you know learning you know just seeing things like how everything works you know you know meeting the ufc staff and stuff like that uh, it was good. You know, I'm glad I went through that experience, you know, not that I see how everything it is, you know, hopefully my second fight, it'll be all easier to where I don't have to, you know, go through all that stuff again. I know you didn't have a, a lot of time to prepare for a specific guy. I'm sure it didn't matter who the opponent was, but when you heard Mason Jones, did, did you know a lot about him? Was he a guy that was on your radar at all? No, I didn't know who he was. You know, like I said, uh, James called me was like, yo, we got you a fight. I didn't even ask him about who it was. First thing in my mind was get to Vegas, you know, uh, do your paperwork, blood work, whatever it is you got to do, uh, make weight, and then worry about, you know, my opponent after all that. So I didn't really care who it was. I never heard of Mason Jones. <laughs> never. Like, I didn't know who the kid was, you know. I just wanted to get in there, man. And just fight, you know, show the world what I can do, that I belong here. And I feel like I did that, you know, this past weekend. So, you know, like I guess, you know, not the result we wanted, but, you know, we put out a show, you know. And I, that should have been a fight of the night for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I was definitely going to ask you about that because every, everyone praised it. It was amazing. And like in my mind, I'm like, damn. You know, it sucks to lose, especially like a, a spirited battle like that. But if you're not going to win the fight, at least a bonus is going to come his way. And in the right, end, Costa you know. misses weight. So it's so that fight's off the table unless they were going to give Vittoria the whole the whole hundred thousand. Right. It, it seems like it just seemed like a foregone conclusion that that this fight was going to get it. And then they went with Gregory Rodriguez and Jun Young Park, which was a fun fight. The second round was insane, but I definitely yeah. thought. Personally, it should have gone to you and Mason, especially considering you right. took it on short notice. He took it on short notice. Were you shocked when you found out that you didn't get it? Uh, I was, you know, but then I was like, you know, it's my first, you know, first USC fight. Uh, they probably just didn't want it. Give it to me. You know, I'm the underdog, came out, short out, be one of the tough guys. Uh, I felt like this didn't want to want to give it to me, so. You know, I'm not there for the money, man. I just, I'm happy that I just went out there, man, and just fought, you know, showed the world what I can do, you know. Didn't go, didn't, didn't really fight because the bonus, you know what I mean? But it would be nice if I got it or not, you know. So, it will, you know, I'm there to fight, man. Not the bonus. It's all good, you know. You guys went at it right away. You both landed big shots. You looked to be in some trouble. At times, he looked to be in some trouble. <laughs> Had you, I mean, you've been a part of some crazy fights. Had you been in a first round quite like that in your career? Uh, no, not first round. I used to start off very slow, and then I pick it up. Uh, with him, man, he just, I knew he was going to be tough. Like, he was tough. You know, the kid is good. 10 and, I think, 10 and 1, 10 and 0, I don't know. But Mason Jones was really good, man. His striking was clean. Uh, I'm like, I cannot, you know, take it easy on this kid. Like, this kid is good. I got to, you know, win the UFC level now. I got to pick it up. You know, I can't. 
I can't fight like I used to. You know, I had to like come out with a different uh, game plan, and I feel like I fought him how I should have. You know, that's how I, you know, the fight needs to be. Yeah, needs to be, and that's that's how I, you know, fought him. And man, that's a tough dude, man. I mean, you knew he was, you knew you knew he was tough coming in, but were you surprised at how tough he actually was? I mean, because again, prior fights, you land those shots, and it's night night. It's moving on. You're, you're winning. You're probably getting that bonus, but this dude just kept coming and coming and coming. Were you surprised? Were you just like, damn, what do I have to do to put this guy away? No, I wasn't surprised because I watched uh, I watched his fight against uh, Mike Davis, and man, I knew I, I was like, man, he might do the same thing he did to Mike Davis. So man, I knew he was gonna come out like that. You know, I just had to come out with a different game plan. You know, it's my first, you know, UFC debut. You know, it's not like the local shows no more. Like this is the highest, you know, highest it can go. You know, I just fought him how it should be fought. You know, I feel like I street fought him. I should have slowed down a little bit, but then you know, at the end, that's how the fight you know should have been. So, so that was the game plan coming in. Just go right after him, and yeah, that's that. Yeah, just this fight, you know. Like the kid is not gonna go away. I knew the kid was not gonna go away. Like all his fights, like you know, it's like it's like he's one of those kids to where like you just can't take him out. You know what I mean? He's durable, man. He's freaking cardio machine. You know, he walks you down. And like I knew I was not gonna take this kid away, but I knew if I just put the hands on him and just you know try to outstrike him, I'll win the fight. And then you know. It just kid was good at grappling and you know took me down, you know, and did his thing, you know, messed uh hat out to Mason Jones and his team, man. You know, they came out, you know, prepared and they did what uh they had to do to get uh get the job done. So, you know, nothing but respect to uh, to him and his team, you know. How tired were you, especially in that third round? I mean, you kept battling through it, you you had a great poker face on, no doubt about it, but how tiring was that fight, especially down the stretch? Uh first first and second round I was good. And then last round, I was kind of breaking a little bit, you know. And then my, my corner man, James Krause, uh, Jalen Marcus, and Ben Elmore was like, yo, I know you're tired. You know, if you want to win this fight, you know, you got to push it. Because it was one and one The third round was whoever, you know, whoever picks it up, you know, pretty much wins the fight. And, you know, he's just like, yo, keep your head up, you know, keep fighting. You know, you got to win this fight. And I just pushed through it, man. You know, I gave him everything I got. And, uh Mason Jones did what he had to do too. You know, with both going back and forth. Uh, I said, man, kid is tough, man. Durable cardio, cardio machine. Uh, man, it's crazy, man. I don't know. <laughs> the way you talk about this, was it? Would you say? I mean, obviously, you want to go in and win all your fights, especially your UFC debut. You want to go in there and win. This is a tough fight, and you gained a lot of fans. Was this as good as it could have gone without winning? Like just going in there, one on short notice, no chance to overthink anything. You just go in there and you fight and you put on a performance like you did. Two, you fight a guy with the durability and the toughness of a Mason Jones, a guy who has a, a really good resume of the respect of a lot of fans, which is very hard to do in this sport. And three, a fight like that is like having three fights in the UFC. Like you gain so much experience and knowledge from a fight like that. Was this like the best thing that could have happened to you outside of just getting a win? Yeah. I feel like this is the best thing that happened to me, man. You know, I'm glad, like I get, like I said, I'm glad I took the opportunity and, you know, uh, and went through that, you know, I'm, I'm happy with it. Uh, man, I'm, I'm happy, you know, you know, uh, not win a UFC, uh, 
you know, three five contract. So that, you know, that's always good. If I didn't, if this didn't happen, then uh, then I wouldn't have got all that. You know what I mean? Yeah, but so, even like even if you went out there and like steamrolled them, put them away in thirty seconds, you're not going to get as much out of it as you did with this fight, despite the loss. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, no, not at all. I would have not got that much much of love. You know, I feel like I, I got the love because I showed the the world that you know that I can fight and. You know, if I if, if I just went out there and like knocked him out in like first round, you know, nobody really know my, you know, really know me or, you know, what I can do. So I kind of I'm kind of glad I fought three rounds and went to decisions. You know, put on a great show for the people, the UFC. You know, pretty much everybody that was at the Apex. You know, just I I feel like I just showed out, like showed the world what you know I'm capable of doing, and and I'm glad that you know that happened. And either I didn't win, but. You know, it's all good. Then I get the bonus, but it's all good. They didn't go there for the bonus, first of all. Just went there and fought. Uh, you know, life's good, man. I'm happy. It's all good. Absolutely. Did Mason yeah. say anything? What, what, did, what did Mason say to you after the fight? Was he just like, damn, dude. <laughs> We're uh, playing. I, I told him, man, I told him uh, congratulations on the fight. Uh, but then I was zoned out, man. Like, it was so much stuff going on. I, I was tired. Still kind of hurt. You know, I, I remember hugging him. I forgot, you know, what he told me, but I'm pretty sure he was like, yo, good fight. Thanks for taking this fight. Uh, and that's about it, man. And I just walked, you know, walked to the walked to the room, got checked out, went back to my uh, my bus. But then I saw his uh, post-fight interview. Uh, he, gave me, he gave me a shout-out, you know, and all that. Nothing but respect to him, like I said, him and his team. I wish I would have stayed out there longer and, you know, Talk to him a little bit, you know, you know, stuff like that, but it didn't happen. So what did, uh, James Krause has become, you know, one of the guys, one of the surging coaches in the sport right now, there's everyone sings their praises when, when you go in between rounds, especially when his fighter doesn't do what they're supposed to do. He just lights them up. And it's like those memorable corner cams that, that we love to watch with James and James is just so smart. He's, He's just, so knowledgeable about the sport. He's, he's seen it and done it all. Yeah. I know you don't remember a ton after the fight. There's so much going on in your world, but what did James have to say to you after that performance? Like, I'm sure he said like, keep your head up, man. Good job. But like, yeah. what sorts of things did he say to you after that you'll take with you? Man. First of all, man, James Krause is probably one of the best coaches in the world. And like everybody knows whoever James is cornering, like they're going to bring heat. You know what I mean? Like James guys are going to come to fight. You know what I mean? And everybody knows that. Like last past weekend, you saw what happened. You know, I came out, you know, shocked the world what I can do, man. You know, having James in your corner, man, is probably one of the best things. Best things to happen, man. He pushed me, you know, from from round one, round two to you know round three. He just pushed me, man. He's like, yo, keep going, keep going. Uh, you know, it's what we came for. Uh, man, best coach in the world, man. You know, it's loud and clear. Uh, I can literally hear everything he was saying, and uh, he pushed me, man. He pushed me through that fight. You know, wouldn't get the wouldn't get the win, but you know, just having him in my corner, man, that got us to where we needed to be uh, that weekend. So I'm, you know, I'm happy to have him in my corner for sure. I'm sure it was nice to not have to cut to 145, but I, I assume your next fight will be at 145 in the UFC. Yeah, I'm going right back to 145 where I should be. You know. So, yeah, man, 145 it is. So I'm going to uh, go back down to my, my, what's it called, 
official weigh-in was at 145. And uh, we're going to see what we're gonna, what, what we can do from there. And I feel like that's a good way for me, you know. 145 in the UFC, I feel like that's a good division for me. I can for sure, uh, you know, take a lot of – a lot of 45ers out, you know, and not wait. So it's a fun division. Oh, yes. Yeah, I love 145. A lot of exciting know. fights out there for you. When would you yeah. want, if it was up to you, like, when do you want to get back? I'll get back as soon as possible, to be honest. You, know, you want to try to get one in before the end of the year? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're I a madman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want at least, at least, you know, one more, one, one more this uh before the year. So I feel good. I'm not injured. Uh, my waist look good. I'm at 160. You know, I walk around at 160. I, I all I gotta cut is 115. I mean, uh, 15 pounds. So I'm good. You know, I can I can fight again tomorrow if I have to. You are such a madman. You talk about 145. It, it just there's so many fun fights. Like we said, anybody stick out to you? Like not not like a trash talky call you out kind of way, but like. There's got to be some some guys you're looking at that's just like, oh man, this is this is gonna be fun. Uh, nobody reached out to me. No, no fighter reached out to me, and I didn't reach out to nobody. So, but there is a lot of 45ers out there that I want to call out, but I'm not gonna call out yet. You know, still made my UFC debut, so I don't want to be. I want I want to be all humble. You know, no, we're not so calling people out. We're calling, this is a respect thing. This is respecting yeah. like you and me, like you and blank. Getting in there, we'd create fun fights. We would actually get the bonus this time. There's got to be some guys that you're thinking about in that sense, in a very respectful way. Let, let's let's save this. Let's save this interview for another time. <laughs> there, there are some guys out there. <laughs> I'm not gonna put them out. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. So this whole experience, I mean, unforgettable. You want to get back in there as soon as possible. You're ready to fight tomorrow if you could, which is insane to me. But yeah. what, what would you say is the biggest takeaway of this whole experience? You going in there, just having a war like that. You come home, you're back in the States. I mean, you're back at home. Like what, yeah. what's the biggest takeaway? What's the, 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 the thing you won't forget from this entire, from this entire process, this entire experience? Thing that I won't forget is you know, picking up that phone call from uh, from James Krause. That's the that's the first thing that I would never forget because picking up that phone call got me to where I need to be today. You know what I mean? If I didn't answer that phone call, I would not. N- none of this thing would have been possible. Like you know. So first thing, man, is that is that phone call. You know that was like the biggest opportunity in life for me. You know. Uh, but yeah, it's that phone call, man. That phone, that, that phone call got me to where I need to be. You know, I got got to Vegas, fought, showed the world what I can do. Uh, man, it was just, it was an awesome week, man. I had so much fun, so much fun, man. Like I mm-hmm. said, uh, you know, thanks to uh, Mason Jones again for welcoming to the UFC. Uh, you know, he's my first, my first loss to him, so. You know, I can never forget those moments. You know, he's my first L. Uh, it's crazy, man. But, you know, hats off to him. So, it's all good. On to yeah. the next chapter, man, you know. At 145 pounds with fun fights. And yeah. I'm excited to see when that happens. Hopefully, we get you back in there before the end of the year. But again, David, phenomenal fight. Phenomenal yeah. showing. All things considered. I mean, it was 
in my opinion, it was the fight of the night. You should have got a bonus on your night, all that concerned about that, which is uh, pretty admirable on your part, but well done, sir. Can't wait to see you back at your weight class of 145 back in that octagon. Cause like I said, there are some exciting matchups out there for you. So oh, yeah. thank you for the time. Congratulations on a great fight, man. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. What a fight. What a showing from David Onama. What a show this has been. Really great stuff from everybody. And Modesto Bukowska is very open and honest, but Temba Garimbo, holy cow. Like, I still got goosebumps from listening to his journey. Really great stuff from, from everybody involved. And wow. Hope you enjoyed it. What a week. What a next couple of weeks it will be in the combat sports world. UFC 267 this Saturday. Right back at it next Saturday. UFC 268 in New York at Madison Square Garden at the Mecca. And we will have you covered on everything. So stick with us over at MMA Fighting for all of that. All your MMA news. Everything you need. Shows, etc. But until then, everybody, we put a bow on this show. And until next week, enjoy the fights this weekend. We'll see you back here next week on We Got Next. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.